thanks for being here. Um, I, I just super appreciate all of you coming out here this morning. I know that it takes effort. I know that it takes work. I know that the temperatures are freezing cold. I know that you might have had to change some things around in your schedule, but I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you being here. I think this gathering together as a church is essential, and I, I just love that you're here. So anyway, thanks. Thanks for being here. Um, I also want to welcome those of you watching online from wherever you might be. Thanks for tuning in as well. And I have a favor to ask those of you watching online. If you would, if you have a YouTube account, if you would just take a moment, just leave a comment um, down below on this video with just your name and how many people are watching. Um, or if you don't have an account, there is a link in the description of the video that will take you to a form to do the same thing. Just type out your name and how many people are watching. And really, this is just, I mean, it's for me. I want to know if you're still connected and engaged here at our church. It's to measure our effectiveness online and think of ways to better connect with you. It's kind of an online attendance, all sorts of different things. So it'll take one minute, but I'm asking you to please do that. Either leave a comment or fill out the form, and uh, just so we know that, that you're connecting and watching. So last week, we started a brand new three-part series called The Holy Spirit, and um, if you weren't here, Pastor Kevin, our founding pastor, did a fantastic job just kind of setting up this whole series. And really the point of last week was to get you and I, everybody watching online, to get us to be open to the idea of the supernatural. That there are some things in our world, some things that happen in this life that can't be tangibly measured, that can't be reproduced in a laboratory, that don't fit within our scientific definition and understanding of this world, that there is a supernatural element to this world that we live in. And if you, if you weren't here, if you haven't had the chance to watch the message online yet, I really think you need to do that. It will, again, it will kind of set you up for what we're going to talk about today. In fact, you might have a lot of questions about what we're going to talk about today. So you owe it to yourself to watch that message from last week if you didn't see it already. Now, next week, we are going to talk about, as we wrap up this series, we're going to cover how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you have not grown up in church, if you think that sounds like Christianese, don't worry about it. We'll explain it next week. That's another reason why you should go back and watch last week's message. And I want to say this to all of you before we get into today's message. Next week is incredibly important, okay? So please, all of you, do not miss next week's service. Please come back in person those of you watching online, um, every, you know, every other week we try and do our best to think about you and talk to you online and keep you engaged and connected, but sometimes there are just things that we can't do online. So if you can at all make it here, I would ask you to be here in person for services next week as well as we wrap up this series about the Holy Spirit. Now, because this series is only three weeks long, we obviously are not going to do like this exhaustive, everything there is to know, in-depth study about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. There's just, there's way too many things to talk about. We, we're just really hitting one main angle of it this time. If you are interested in learning more about the Holy Spirit, Jesus, during the Last Supper, talked about the Holy Spirit a lot with his closest friends. If you are, if you want to know more, you can read from the Gospel of John Chapters 14 through 16 are a great place to read. Write that down, put it in your phone, whatever. John 14 through 16. Um, if you want to know more, we have done series in the past about the Holy Spirit. We did one in 2019 called Holy Spirit, because, you know, we're super creative around here. 
That's on YouTube. We did a series in 2017 called The Ghost. That's a four-part series about the Holy Spirit. Those are resources for you and you to watch, to look at. If you, if you just want to know more about the Holy Spirit, if this series doesn't quite satisfy everything you want to know, those are some great things to look at because the Holy Spirit brings a lot of benefits to our lives. Jesus said the Holy Spirit was going to be our counselor, our advocate, that he would lead us into all truth, that the Holy Spirit connects our hearts with the Father's hearts, that he would even speak for us when we pray, like so many different good things. And I feel kind of bad for not covering all of that in the series this time, but we, just, we, don't, we don't have time. So there's lots of other things you can look at. But today what I want to talk about is in the second week of the Holy Spirit series is this, the weird stuff. Yeah, because when it comes to the Holy Spirit, there is no shortage of weird stuff. Now, some of us, maybe some of you watching online, some of us are way on this end of the spectrum, and you got nervous as soon as you saw this, didn't you? You, you like, instantly tensed up inside because you don't like that weird stuff. Makes you uncomfortable. Maybe you've seen other, other people, other Christians, other churches, watch televangelists. They're all super weird. And like that freaks you out inside. You, you know, when you, when you think about God, God the Father, okay, he's cool. God the Son, yep, I understand that. But that Holy Spirit, kind of weird, mumbo jumbo, uh, like, oh, I just, I'd rather stay away. And so some of us are way on this side of the spectrum. Like, I'd, I'd just rather not get into that weird stuff at all. It's too weird for me. Makes me too uncomfortable. And to be honest, I will tell you that me personally, on the spectrum, I tend to lean more to this side as well. There are things about the Holy Spirit, and there's just some weird stuff that I still can't explain and doesn't really, like, rationally, scientifically, logically make sense the way that my brain normally likes to work. So I understand that I get some of the hesitation. But last week, Kevin challenged us in the message to take a more balanced approach, to not just ignore it because it makes us feel uncomfortable, to not just, you know, write it off because it's other people have abused the Holy Spirit, but to actually have a, a healthy, open heart to the supernatural things, the weird stuff that the Holy Spirit might want to do in us. Then there are people way, 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 I mean like way, way on the other side of the spectrum. Maybe that's you, I don't know, but there are people way on this side that just thrive on the weird stuff, okay? They, you listen to weird other pastors, weird other churches, you love reading weird books, you feel like Christianity is boring unless it's weird and there's yelling and chaos and people flopping on the floor. Like, you, you just, you thrive on this weird stuff. You, you look for ways to put more weird stuff into your Christianity, into your faith. And I think for this as well, maybe we need to take a more balanced approach to the Holy Spirit. That yes, there are some things that are weird, but so often I have run into people who use the Holy Spirit as an excuse for their own weirdness, okay? Who, who use the Holy Spirit as an excuse to say weird things, do weird things, all sorts of stuff. I, I, sometimes I wonder, this is just me being totally honest, okay? Sometimes I wonder if people on this end of the spectrum just had bad pizza the night before. Like, I'm, I'm not really sure. The people, people way over here tend to hear the Holy Spirit every single day, and every single day it's something new and opposite of what the day they did before. And like sometimes I just wonder, is that the Holy Spirit or is that mental illness? 
Like the Holy Spirit is not a schizophrenic, okay? He's not going to tell us to do something opposite every single day and like it's always confusion. Maybe we, if you're on that side, maybe we need to move towards a more balanced, healthy, responsible approach to the Holy Spirit. Because here's the deal. We don't want to be on one extreme or the other. We don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, but we also don't want to masquerade just weirdness as spirituality, right? We, we need to be balanced. There are some things about the Holy Spirit that are just weird. And how do we look at it? How do we take a balanced approach? How do we stay open and how do we not be on either end of the spectrum? Now, when it comes to the weird stuff, to me, I think of it as like lumped into two big categories, and that's this. Fruit and gifts. That the Holy Spirit, part of his job is to supernaturally produce fruit and to supernaturally give gifts. These are not things that are just a part of our personality. These are not things that we're just naturally good at. These aren't talents or abilities that we have. Now, God has created each one of us with certain talents and abilities and gifts and how we are unique and what we've been wired to do. That's awesome. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit and fruit and gifts, these are in addition to that. These are abilities that are beyond what's normal, that are beyond what we can do with our natural human self. The Holy Spirit produces fruit and gives gifts in our lives. Again, we have to understand this. It is supernatural. It's not something that we produce. It's not something that we grit our teeth. It's not something that we try to do and hopefully level up and achieve someday. This is a supernatural pointing to God work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. So fruit, start there. What do we mean when we say fruit and why pick such a weird word, okay? Fruit is, is what the Holy Spirit produces inside of us, okay? If I can use some Christianese, fruit is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It, again, it's, it's internal things that he produces on the inside of us. Not that we produce, again, not that we grit our teeth, but it is the job of the Holy Spirit to grow and produce that fruit. And the only reason we use the word fruit is because that's what Jesus said, that's what Paul said, that's what's in the New Testament, so why, why change it? That's fruit. Now, there is no definitive list in the Bible of here's every single possible Holy Spirit fruit that could be produced. But there is a pretty famous list. It's called the fruit of the Spirit, and it's found in, in Galatians. This is what Paul writes. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, all of these things, this fruit is internal. Now when you look at this list, my guess is most of us right now, probably everybody watching online is going, well, that's like I thought we were going to talk about weird stuff. That ain't that ain't weird. I mean, I kind of like a little more of that this this doesn't seem weird, and I'll give you that. On the surface, this doesn't seem that weird. But I want to suggest to us today that this is incredibly weird, and not weird in like a uh, I don't know what that means. I have no concept of what love and joy. No, no, not like that. But weird in the sense that they are extremely rare in our world today. These things are weird to see in other people, in our culture, 
oftentimes they're even weird to see in ourselves. A few verses before this, the Apostle Paul, who writes the letter of Galatians, instead writes a list of what is much more common for us to see in this world. This is what he says. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, just kind of what comes naturally, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Now, when you look at this list, if we are honest with ourselves, I think we can admit that this is much more of what we see. This is much more normal, right? Now, maybe not sorcery. I don't know if any of you are into sorcery, but that, that one's a little weird. But impurity, normal. Idolatry, I mean, if you have a, a Harley or an RV or a new vehicle or a new toy, I mean, idolatry for sure, that's normal. Jealousy is normal. Anger is normal. Selfish ambitions. This stuff is normal in our world today. This is how we run into this all the time. You and I experience these things, unfortunately, in our lives more than we want to. This isn't weird. But if we look again back at Galatians 5, what Paul said the fruit of the Spirit is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is so weird to see. Anybody can look like this stuff when life's just going fine, right? When everything's going well, when your job's fine, when your marriage is fine, when your kids are all that stuff, we can look like we have all these things. But when we're stressed, when we're pressed, when we're squeezed, that's when this fruit is weird. And that's what I think part of what the Holy Spirit does in us is produce this supernatural, beyond our ability, fruit in our lives. If you're here today, you're watching online, and you voted Republican in this last election, it is normal, if that was the way you voted, to feel anger and dissension and division, division to quarrel online. It is normal to feel that way. You, you wanted your candidate to win, and you think the country is heading in the complete wrong direction. You're fearful of where it's going to go. But the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives, Weird fruit, supernatural fruit that is beyond what, we'd no, what we would normally do. When we talk about here often, you know, hey, spending time with God or experiencing God produces life change in us. Technically speaking, okay, the more accurate way of saying that would be that as we spend time with God, the Holy Spirit produces life change in us. And so if you happen to vote conservative, if you happen to vote Republican, the Holy Spirit can produce joy and peace in our lives. Joy when your candidate didn't win. Joy when the country's headed the wrong way. Peace when everybody else is afraid of what's coming in the next few years. We can experience a supernatural joy and peace. It's not forced. It's not contrived. It's not hyping ourselves up and, oh, we'll get him the next four years. No, 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 it's not that at all. It is a supernatural amazing God, Holy Spirit work that is produced inside of us to experience joy and experience peace. Amen. Amen. What about self-control? Okay, as Americans, that is a foreign word to us. 
We don't understand what self-control is. We always have to have the newest, biggest, best, fastest, whatever it is. The grass is always greener somewhere else. We're always comparing it with the Joneses. Envy is never satisfied. Jealousy is never satisfied. That's how we live our lives. That's normal to experience those things. But the Holy Spirit, part of his role in our lives is to produce something that looks weird in our world. To produce self-control. Not that we have to like, okay, I have to pretend to be okay, but to actually be okay. To not have to have that drink. To not have to call that person. To not have to go to that place. To not have to visit that website. To not have to send that email. That is part of what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. His amazing, incredible, beyond scientific reason, beyond what would make sense, beyond what would normally come out of us when we are squeezed in life, when we are tempted by the, the things in this world that try and steal, the Holy Spirit can produce self-control in us. And again, it's not putting on a happy face. It's not pretending. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I mean, honestly, we could go through the rest of this list one by one. Love. The Holy Spirit produces love in us when other people are not lovable, but because they are human beings created in the image of God with a personality, with a heart, with a soul. We're going to live for eternity somewhere, someday. The Holy Spirit can connect our hearts to our Father's heart and His love pours out through us. We can't do that. Right? We've all tried to love people who are unlovable, and every single one of us have failed. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is weird. He produces that in our lives. When you talk about patience, being patient when you don't want to be patient, being kind when you don't want to be, being gentle, being faithful when other people aren't faithful, all of those different things the Holy Spirit can produce in our lives. And again, we have to understand this this is not just sitting down someday and being like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sit here until I make myself feel patient. I'm gonna sit here until I make myself feel faith. It's, it's not that. It is a work that the Holy Spirit does in us, and it produces some weird results in our lives, but the weirdness is so good. It's so good. The fruit, I think, is evidence that God is working. The fruit, points to God that you and I can have these things. And I think sometimes we, we get the idea, especially as Christians, that like, okay, well, this fruit, I got to be love, joy, peace. Okay, well, now I'm, I'm just going to pretend, okay? I'm just going to swing way over to this way, and I'm just going to pretend that I have those things. And like, no, it's not that. It's not that. You and I, when, when we've seen other people who pretend, ugh, it's gross. We all can spot it a mile away. This is not pretending. This is more than that. When we open ourselves up to a relationship with God, part of what the Holy Spirit does is produce this weird, supernatural, awesome fruit. Love, joy, peace, all those different things. That's fruit. But then there's gifts. Supernatural, out of this world, weird gifts. And when it comes to gifts, this is where things get weird real fast. Okay? But this is, this is not just our problem, right? It's been weird since Christians have had spiritual gifts. Way back in the early church, Christians were getting weird with their spiritual gifts, and they totally got off. 
In fact, in one of his earliest letters, the Apostle Paul addresses this weirdness with spiritual gifts. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your questions about the special abilities, or other translations say special gifts or spiritual gifts, regarding your questions about those the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this, okay? And I think if Paul were writing us a letter to Access Church in 2021, he would write this, listen, I don't want you to misunderstand this. I don't want you to get this wrong because the Corinthians had gotten weird. They had swung the pendulum way over to this side. They were using their different gifts, again, not from them, but that the Holy Spirit had given. They were using their gifts as like a spiritual competition. They were measuring themselves, well, my gift is this, and I have more gifts, and my gift is better than yours, and my gift means I'm like, no, 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 none of that. Paul says, no, no, I don't want you to misunderstand this. Paul doesn't deny the fact that there are spiritual gifts. He says they're there, they're real. We just need to get a better grasp on what they are and how they look. Don't misunderstand what these weird supernatural gifts are. He goes on to write this. He says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit, is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And this last part here is, I think, where spiritual gifts get so far off base so quickly and so easily. We miss what they're for. We miss the purpose. The Holy Spirit gives supernatural gifts so we can help each other for the benefit of the mission. Where fruit was internal, this is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us, Gifts is like the empowerment, the external signs of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. But they're all for a purpose. They're all for a reason to advance the mission. They're to help people work together to spread the gospel. They're to help the church, not the building and the drywall, but the people to help the church be effective in the one thing God has called them to do. They're not a measuring stick for spirituality. They're not a, look how many I have and look how few you have. One is not better than the other. They're all different. The Holy Spirit gives different gifts to different people at different time periods. Some people have one gift. Some people have many. Some people have a gift for a short amount of time. Some people have gifts that operate for many years. I don't know why, okay? I can't explain it all. That's part of the supernatural weird stuff that the Holy Spirit does. But they are given so that the church, so that the mission can be accomplished in this world. And then Paul goes on to write a list of what those gifts are. Now, this is not all of them. Again, he writes in different letters. Other writers write what some of these look like. But this is certainly a good list to work from. He says this, To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. To someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He goes on, he keeps writing, he gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, we will get there, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Listen, it's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each 
person should have. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit still gives gifts, supernatural spiritual gifts in our world today, and they are weird. There are certain people who believe that these gifts have ceased, that they're not available anymore, but that's not true. They're still operating in our world today. The Holy Spirit is still working. The Holy Spirit is still doing His Holy Spirit thing and giving supernatural gifts to people for the advancement of the mission. Now, I know some of these gifts, as we read through, you probably got a good idea of what some of them are, but I just want to take a look at all of them and kind of walk through each one just so that there's no confusion on, on what these are. Again, because the Corinthians have misunderstood gifts. In culture today, people have misunderstood gifts, and we can swing the pendulum so far one way or the other. But what does it mean to be balanced and understanding what the Holy Spirit does? So, the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, these two are very closely related. Okay, they're, they're not the same thing, but they're very similar. The gift of knowledge is primarily concerned with uh, more informational type of stuff, having the ability to recall Bible passages or to understand the gospel. Um, again, it's more informational. And wisdom is the supernatural ability to apply that information to someone's life. And both of these, again, I'm going to sound like a, like a broken record, but these are not just, well, I've lived a long time and I've gotten a lot of wisdom from my experience and my age. No, no, not that. You can have that wisdom as well, but this is supernatural wisdom. Weird wisdom. Weird, not, okay, not the wisdom is weird, but like, how did I get this? Like, you and I, if we have this gift, we had no, uh, no reason knowing something. Being able to recall that passage, being able to speak so directly into someone's life and apply that knowledge and give them wisdom. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives wisdom. He gives knowledge for a specific purpose to encourage people to advance the mission. The gift of faith. This supernatural gift of faith is, is a deep-seated, absolute trust in God. Now, not like the trust like we put on our money, hey, in God we trust. Not like that. It's not thinking happy thoughts. It's not hoping for the best. It's not positive self-talk. When Paul writes about the gift of faith, it is it is a supernatural, weird faith that God gives us to trust him more, to follow him more, to be used for what? So that we can feel better, so that we don't have to be worried? No, 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 no. So that we can use it to help one another, so that we can encourage one another, so that we can spur one another on towards, towards following God more, towards accomplishing his mission more, towards God said he was going to do this, and I believe and I encourage you to believe the same thing that he is trustworthy and he is faithful. Even if, even if the situation seems like it could never happen, even if the mountain seems too big, the Holy Spirit will give the gift of faith to spur on the mission and to move people forward. Healing and miracles, again, those are supernatural gifts still active in our world today. These two are very closely related, just like wisdom and knowledge were closely related. Healing is just a specific type of miracle where miracles, if you were here last week, you heard Kevin talk about the story with his grandpa in the water or his youngest daughter getting double pierced ears. But I know I have seen these things, okay? They're, they're real. There's, there's a section of people that are way on this side that think, no, nope, that ended with Bible times. It's not available anymore. But I'm telling you, that's not true. The Holy Spirit is still giving these gifts to people 
for the advancement of the mission. One of, one of the stories that will stick with me forever about healing, this happened about 10 or 11 years ago. Um, there was a couple in my small group, we were very close friends, they had a one-year-old son. I think I've shared this story before, but they had a one-year-old son who wasn't moving like he was supposed to be. He was way behind in whatever they measure for motion and movement. So after, I don't know all the tests and steps they went through, but I remember one day they ended up down at the Children's Hospital at the University of Minnesota. I stopped and picked up the dad, drove him down there too, stayed with them for probably 12 hours, and all this while they're running tests and imaging and x-rays and all all this sort of stuff on their kid. And long story short, what they ended up finding, I remember seeing the, I don't know if it was an x-ray or an MRI, but an image that on the lower back of this one-year-old kid was a mass of nerves, huge mass of nerves. And because it was so big, because it was hindering his motion so much, the only option they had was to do surgery. And so this is probably midnight when we find this out. I'm still there in the hospital room there with the mom and dad. And the doctors are telling them about all the complications that can come from this surgery. About, you know, not only just the risk of, of a one-year-old going into surgery, but the dangers of, of general anesthesia. Then on top of that, the fact they were going to do back surgery and do stuff in his spine. And the doctors were prepping the parents. Your son might be paralyzed after this. And so we have this discussion, and they schedule the surgery for just a few hours later. It was like 8 in the morning was going to be the surgery. And then they leave. And by this time, it's, I don't remember all the details, right? But it's early in the morning, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I remember getting this urge, this sense to pray. And to pray that God would heal their son. Now, we had been praying all day already. Our entire small group was praying. People from the church were praying. Their entire family, it's not like, oh, you know what we should do? I think, I think maybe we should pray. It wasn't that. We'd already been doing that. But I got this sense inside, Shaheen, pray for healing for their son. So we go down in the hospital lobby. Nobody else is there. And we start praying. And it was one of the most intense prayer experiences I've ever had. We are all crying I'm praying and I'm asking God, please, 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 please heal their son. We are afraid for what's going to happen. I was afraid for them, like, oh my gosh, please, God, intervene. Please do a healing. Well, 8 o'clock rolls around. They take the son off to surgery. I decide I'm going to leave, go home, take a shower, get a you know, few minutes of shut-eye. And I was expecting, you know, this is going to be a long surgery. I wasn't expecting to hear anything until the afternoon. Well, a couple hours later, one or two hours later, the dad calls me on the phone. He says, Shaheen, you'll never believe it. They opened up my son and nothing was there. Nothing. The doctors still had that image from before that showed the massive nerves. But when they opened him up, nothing was there. They took some tissue samples just to test them out. The doctors literally could not believe what they had saw. Nobody ever said, man, God must have done a miracle. But you could just tell in the way they were talking. These doctors were absolutely astounded at what they saw. So they stitched him back up. And literally that same day, their son was already starting to move more. Fast forward 10, 11 years later, their son is an absolutely normal kid. Runs, plays. He's in a swimming team. He's, he has been, he was completely healed. Now, why did God choose to heal their son and not heal other people that I've prayed for? I have no idea. I can't give you a rhyme or a reason. 
I don't know. That's just what God did one time through the Holy Spirit and this supernatural gift of healing that didn't make sense. And I will tell you, for that family, it was one of the milestones for them in their relationship with God. They'd only been Christians for a few years. But seeing this miracle in them strengthened their faith so much. They live in Arizona now, and they are all connected to a church. All three of their kids love God and serve him. They do everything. They lead Bible studies, all sorts of things. The dad, in fact, had several other crazy things happen to him, and it has all been a testimony to the power of God in their life. Was that the reason that God chose to heal their son? Maybe, I don't know. All I know is that this is still real. This is still happening. I've experienced it. It's weird, but it's part of what the Holy Spirit does in and through us. Prophecy. Prophecy is really just speaking for God. Now, I know most of the times when we hear prophecy, we think of like fortune telling and in the future. And sometimes, especially in the Old Testament, that was part of it. But today, what prophecy really means is is literally just speaking for God. Now, not saying like, oh, God loves you. Not that general sort of stuff. But actually receiving a direct divine message to share with people, to encourage people, to challenge people, to correct people, to comfort people, whatever it might be. It is speaking on behalf of God with a divine, supernatural, weird message. Discernment is the ability to tell whether something is good or evil, whether it's from God or it's not from God. And again, it's not just like, I kind of know some general principles. Stealing is kind of bad. Giving it, like, not that. Okay, we learn that in life. But supernatural, Holy Spirit, spiritual gift of discernment is having insight into a person or a situation and being able to say, no, 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 that's, that's not of God. Or that is of God. And then we get to the two things that I bet all of us thought we were going to talk about when we said we're going to talk about the weird stuff, right? Tongues and interpretation. The gift of tongues is the ability to speak in an unknown language that you and I never learned. And listen, that's weird, okay? It's just weird. It's always been weird. It's weird right now. It's always going to be weird. There's nothing I could say to you. There's no words I could say that would ever convince you otherwise that that's not weird. Speaking in tongues is weird. Saying something out loud in an unknown language in front of other people is weird. We just got to get over that. But it's in the book. So what are you going to do with it? It's in the book. It's real. It's what God said would happen. People in the early church that we can read through the New Testament, it happened for them. It's happened in my life. I have spoken tongues. I've been around other people who have spoken tongues. And let me tell you, it's always weird. But it's weird in like this good sort of way. Now, biblically speaking, there are different kinds of tongues. There is like a, there's a personal speaking in tongues that God does in our lives. Most of the time, if you talk to a lot of people, most of the time it happens when there's just this intense, intimate experience with God. For me, it's usually when the worship music is happening, or when I'm singing, when I, when I kind of fall short of words that I can say in my English language, that's when tongues come out. We can talk about that another time. You can ask me questions after service, type them in the comments. But as far as the gift of tongues, the spiritual gift of tongues for the mission, that's something different. It's speaking in honestly, what can only be described as gibberish, at least to my ears, it's not gibberish, okay, don't misunderstand, 
but it can sound like that way for the purpose of the mission. Now, why would God choose to speak through someone in an unknown language when, especially in our context, English seems a lot better? Okay? Why? I don't know. <laughs> maybe you wanted a better answer for me, but I don't know. Like, I, I don't have a re- And you know what? For me, maybe you're not there yet, but for me, I'm okay with that. That I don't have to know everything God does in every... He doesn't owe me a reason. If I could understand everything there is to know about God, then my God is too small. For me, I'm okay with not having... I don't, I don't know why he chooses to use tongues instead of English. I don't know, and, and I'm fine with that. But when Paul is writing about this, especially two, ver- two chapters later in 1 Corinthians 14, tongues is one... Is, I don't want to say the only. I've got to think through. I think it's the only gift where there is a disclaimer that if you are in a public gathering and you have the gift of tongues, you better make sure someone else is there with the gift of interpretation. Because if you and I are just speaking an unknown language and no one interprets, Paul says that does no good for anybody. Okay, so, and how are we going to know if someone has interpretation? I don't know, I don't understand all of this, but I know it is part of what God does, and I know that is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, I know when it comes to tongues and interpretation, and, and even to an extent some of these other gifts, for those of us on this end of the spectrum, a little hesitant, a little more logical, a little more like some scientific research, I know the big fear is to think, well, well what if the Holy Spirit's just going to take over me? Right? I'm going to lose control. I'm going to start flopping on the floor. I'm not going to be in control of my own body. Again, Paul says, specifically with some of these gifts, but I think they apply to all, the Holy Spirit's not going to do that. He gives us gifts. They are real. They're available to be used. But we, you and I, we don't lose control. The Holy Spirit does not overtake us and come upon us. We remain in control of these gifts. So, I just want to take a look at all the fruit, all of the gifts, and just get us to ask ourselves a question, all right? When you look at this list, put aside the fact that maybe some of us think it's weird. Put aside the fact that maybe we've run into other people who have abused the Holy Spirit or blame the Holy Spirit for things that were their own issues. Put aside all of that. If we can just be honest with ourselves, wouldn't you like to see more of this in your life, in my life, in our gatherings as a church? Wouldn't it be nice to have more love, joy, peace, patience, wisdom, faith, miracles, all those things? Don't you think that would help us personally and help us corporately. When you look at this list, I know some of it is frightening, but honestly, when I look at that list, I go, gosh, I'd love to see more of that. Holy Spirit, do your thing here. Like, I believe this would help so much. So here's the question. How do we get these things? If this is what the Holy Spirit promises us, if this is part of his role in our life, And how do these become active in our lives? How do we get this fruit? How do we get these gifts? Well, it's 10 o'clock. You're going to have to come back next week. That's what we're going to talk about next week. And again, I want to remind you, please don't miss next week. If you are watching online, please come in person because we are going to talk about how these things become real in our life. And I believe for some of us, it is going to be a mile marker in our relationship with God. I believe that God wants to move more in our lives. And uh, I'm just excited to see what's going to happen. But as we close out today, I just want to take a moment and pray for us. So would you, would you pray with me? 
Heavenly Father, I pray that you would soften and open our hearts to more of you. Father, I pray that you would begin to work in our hearts. And, and again, just I just get this mental picture of opening ourselves up to you, to what the Holy Spirit does, to even though some of these things are weird and they're not natural and they might even frighten some of us, or maybe we've seen people abuse it, God, would your presence begin to soften our hearts? I pray that during this next week, that as we spend time with you, as we talk to you, as you do your God thing in our life, Father, I pray that you would be preparing us to receive the promised Holy Spirit. Thank you in advance, God. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending him for our benefit and for the benefit of the mission. And Father, I'm just looking forward to what you're going to do in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.